listen to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. They're wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Cree Robertson, alongside our sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we've entered back into the studio for episode 425. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, what's going on? Hey, yes, sir, yes, sir. So what we getting into this week? Uh, this week, I just caught a, a couple more of um, the new animes from the season. Okay. There's been, uh, been another couple interesting batches. Nice. There was one called... Um, Sasaki and Peeps, which I'm actually pretty impressed by because that one essentially played like that shit played like tennis with my expectations and shit. So usually I pick out anime based on the 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 promo visual and the title. Mm-hmm. So this one, it looked like an isekai, so I was all down for it. It's just a dude in a regular regular Japanese looking dude in a business suit with like another office lady next to him. And then, like, it's, like, looking over, like, this vast, like, otherworldly vista. And then it's got some uh, um, uh, uh, office buildings, like, skyscrapers in the background. So I'm like, all right, uh, let's check this shit out, right? So initially, it started with just this dude, Sasaki. He's a regular office worker. And it seemed like he's really interested in pets, right? Like, one of his office workers were talking about her her cat and shit. And he's, like, all looking over, over his shoulder all eagerly. Like super, like oh, the cat's so cute. I want a cat. So he leaves that. So he leaves his office and goes to a pet shop. And while he's looking around, he hears like a parrot's voice saying to like pick me. So he goes over and he finds this bird that's making the noise. And the one thing that's very distinct about the bird is it's got a star on its chest and it's got two. It's got stars for pupils. And he um he he takes the bird home. And right, this is right where, this was about maybe like five, six minutes into the episode. So I was just like, yo, my nigga, no action yet, bro. I'm done with this. So I actually put it away and like came back to it like a week later. When I actually gave it a shot the second time, literally like 30 seconds after I stopped playing it, the bird starts talking. And the bird is like, hey, I'm a fucking mage from another world. My name is Pierre Carlo. Oh, snap. And a bunch of niggas betrayed me and now I'm trapped in the body of a bird. And I was like, okay, that, that's that's kind of interesting. So about to dump on a dude. You feel me? And then he's like, hey, yo, my nigga, hook me up with some Chateaubriand. And he's like, yo, yo my guy. I'm an office worker, my nigga. I can't afford that. So he's like, hmm, you know what? And you're a bird. Do you know what that would do to your body? <laughs> he's like, you know, now nah, Pierre Carlo is very insistent. I am a mage, you feel me? I am an expert mage. I get it. Your mind's a mage, but body. You, your body, though. <laughs> Um, I, <laughs> so he gives them, so the mage, they come to like this, uh, 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 deal where there's just like, Hey, yo, you know what I'm saying? I can help you all get money and kind of hook you up with some magic and shit. And all you got to do is just like feed me well. You feel me? Feel me, right. feed me good shit. And so I was like, all right, this seems pretty interesting. So they go to the other world and they start doing typical otherworldly shit. He's selling shit from our world to them and making Wait, so he's a, bucks. He's a bird in the other world as well. Yes. He's trapped in the bird's body. He's sealed in it. He's gonna be a oh, bird so the, he actually traveled to this world to recruit people to help get his body i don't know none of oh, that okay. okay we see him we see him I'm just making suppositions. My bad, my we bad. see him in a, in a store and he just gives the backstory that you know some nigga sealed me in a bird's body and shit that's all the backstory we have so far but 
he goes over to the to the other world and he starts being like a merchant selling shit like um uh uh, uh fucking this thing was wildin'. like he starts pretty 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 small i don't remember what the initial things he brought over but my nigga quickly escalated to bringing plastic to the other world and i was oh. like hey yo my nigga my nigga, <laughs> this is I one mean, of those times where you got to be like, all right, take your personal feelings out of the anime. <laughs> it's another world. It's not real. Because I'm just right. like, yo, my nigga, how are you gonna do that, bro? They don't have, they don't have any way to take care of. He, he brought bro, them this binoculars, is not Star Trek pro- protocols, bro. This you feel not, me? Yeah, he, he, I, I feel him, but at the same time, I feel you. Yeah, you know I mean, like, <laughs> I'm about to capitalize. I'm a merchant. You feel me? This nigga was selling like a, uh, uh, um. Fucking Swiss Army knives, flashlights, like walkie-talkies, binoculars, all kinds of shit. I think. What about if aliens came here? Like, I'd be like, yeah, so some of that technology, though. <laughs> I hope alien merchants come. Yeah, you know I mean, like, oh uh, shit. Because yo, how do we dispose of the shit that 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 your all the shit you sold us is made out of? Listen, I don't know, nigga. It's your planet. We those don't are about secondary problems. You feel me? Which mean they're your problems. Exactly. Those aren't merchant problems. Those are consumer problems. For real. But um, when he gets back to the to the regular world, she's kind of going good. Um, you know, he he they he's got the deal going with the with the mage. The mage is um, the mage sort of I guess imparted his power onto Sasaki, the the office worker, mm-hmm. and so he can cast spells using. Uh, Sasaki. So my nigga like teleports to work and shit. And, like he no longer like in the regular world. You know, okay. yeah, yeah. He's not taking the train no more. Like uh, he showed up to I work mean, one day and his coworker again, was just like, <laughs> I kind of feel him, dog. Like if you gave him yeah. powers, my nigga was like, and so when when he comes back, he's coming back from work and he sees this chick being attacked by a dude who just turns his arms True. into a blade. And so whoa, okay, whoa, whoa, the okay. chick, I, I'm telling you. Tennis with your fucking expectations, bro. Bruh. And <laughs> I was expecting to beat up on some street level thugs for a second. <laughs> Fuck my expectations. You feel me? And then it, after he helps the lady, it turns out she works for. It turns out that in this world, people with superpowers exist, and they appear like one in one hundred thousand. I think they say is like the ratio. And the girl who's special. <laughs> and the girl who he helped out works for an organization that tracks them and hunts them if they're not, um, you know, if they're not Registered. cooperating and shit. Yeah. MIB type shit. And so what's very, very interesting is right away they're like, hey, um, the way psychic powers work is like once you manifest it, that's your power and you never get another one. This nigga got no psychic powers. He's a full on fucking mage. You feel me? And so he's like, mm, I should probably not let them know that. Uh, yeah, definitely not. I, I could do a whole bunch of other shit. So now now there's a part of the show where it's like it's like this fucking sci-fi um, people hunting uh, hunting these superpowered beings that he's now caught up in. And then in addition to that, there's like um, in the other world, like war broke out. And now my nigga's like, he's war broke out. But the interesting thing is like the country that he was he posted up in. You come to find out that the mage is actually, he's sort of like the, 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 like the benefactor of that country. Like he ended up like building it up and making it as prosperous as it was. But due to hate and ass niggas, a bunch of uh, all the other mages pretty much didn't like the stability he was providing. Like hell and hell's moving castle. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and they basically conspired to seal him so that they could do their fuckery. And that's how uh, Pierre Carlo ended up in the real world. They always gotta, they always gotta hate on, on a nigga trying to, 
bring prosperity to the kingdom, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should always know that. You feel me? If you're trying to bring prosperity, you got to have a plan for the niggas that don't want that shit because dysfunction makes money. Yeah. It's very useful. It, listen, capitalism only makes money off of fixing problems it makes. <laughs> you feel me? And so it, it ends up like uh, this country, after it falls its war, he ends up learning a little bit about it. And then he essentially um, makes a promise to like, because him and Pierre Carlo, their relationship starts starts getting a little bit more like friendly. They start actually like fucking with each other, and like um yeah, like yeah, oh I actually, fuck with the nigga who gave me magic power. You know what I mean? And then he's he's actually not a bad dude and shit. Like he's actually hooking him up and actually getting him the stake. Story, you know what I mean? He say he he was the one who like brought prosperity to the kingdom. So yep. yeah, I, I rock with you, my G. And you don't got to be perfect, but you just got to not be a douchebag. And what's really dope is Sasaki has decided to like actually work with the people in the other world to like kind of watch over and protect that country now. So I, nice. I guess that's where um, there's only three episodes out. So I'm guessing that's where the, the series is going to go. It's going to be about Sasaki fighting um, the super powered people in the real world. And he also fucked up super hard, too, kind of, because the very first mission they sent him out on it was one of the super strong, um, super strong, evil, like, super-powered people. And that lady ended up wiping out the entire squad that was sent to that nigga. It's so funny. Like, right at the start of the episode, before he was going out on the mission, they introduced a bunch of other niggas. And I was like, this nigga's getting promoted at the end of the episode, isn't it? <laughs> this nigga's getting promoted at the end. And sure enough, my nigga, not a single... The only one that made it out of there was, like, his partner, who's, like, who actually got him recruited. The chick he rescued the on the first night. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yo, unless you under my umbrella, you probably gonna die. No, not, it's not even that. She was fucked up, too. But, you know, Sasaki, is, he's way, way stronger than the, the superpowered people can really... Yeah, it's it, it's different scaling, essentially. It's like, it's literally like uh, Spider-Man versus an Isek... Spider-Man versus, like, Sephiroth in his final version when you fight him in Final Fantasy. It's, it's not really a fair comparison as to... Like, yes, they're both superpowered beings, but one is, like, on a very different scale. Yeah. And so he ends up catching the eye of one of the superpowered people. And the only way he could win that confrontation was to pretty much expose that he can he has more than one power. And that's the whole reason why the um the lady who he rescued chose to partner up with him because she can control water, but she can't create it. So she usually keeps like a bottle of water with him. He yeah. just creates like, you know, Kiara. ice beam out of fucking thin air or it's actually icicle spear so he just like creates ice out of um thin air so she's like yo my nigga you this would be like the best combination if you'll be able, you'll be able to provide me with an infinite supply of of ammo but yeah no 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 the, turns out the the bad guys they, they're they're on another level too and she got dusted up on the first episode but why she gotta get dusted up though yeah but but she's crazy you know she she's fucking insane because she absolutely loves that job and she's like yo let's take more dangerous jobs because that's how we get more money and meanwhile this nigga sasaki's like yeah I, i'm an office worker though i, I work in sales i i don't really want to go like fighting people he actually won the confrontation with the bad guy through a negotiation nice using negotiation skills you know what i mean so no, I'm mad at that. I, I I fuck with Sasaki and Peeps just because I was not expecting them to like to, to 
usually isekais follows a pretty solid line right even when they deviate the line can still be traced back to the center but this one it's just like it's branching it's branching everywhere every new episode like branches somewhere so Hmm. i'm very curious to see where where it goes and how that should play out if Manega Pierre Carlo gets his body back and how strong the main character's magic gets because in, in episode three he was the Pierre Carlo was like damn you picked that up much faster than everybody usually it takes a, a mage on this side like 10 years to get to intermediate magic but you mastered my intermediate magic in like a week so I'm interested to see if when Giancarlo what's his name Pierre Carlo Pierre Carlo mm-hmm. now he bequeathed the ability to use these powers onto the main character. I wonder if he get if those go back to him when he becomes a human again. Uh, probably. I mean, the better question is, will he become human again? Usually, yeah, shit so like that doesn't change with anime. His body back, and if he gets his body back, does that depower the the main character? Probably not. You know, because that would. You, I, the reason why I don't see that happening is because that would redefine the show. Usually, the things with isekais, for better or for worse, is they keep the gimmicks to the end. And like the talking bird gimmick, I don't see it going anywhere. Just because. Just because of the nature of the so story. So I'm interested to see how they reconcile that in the end, like with, yeah. with you know, the maturation of that storyline, whether yeah. he gets his body back or not. Very curious to see how that shit goes, man. That should be fun. Yeah, that sounds interesting. And um, another one that was pretty cool is called, uh, like, The Beast and the Witch. That one that one seems pretty fucking fun. So it, it opens with, like, the this guy. He just seems like he's sort of dressed like a priest, but with, like, a cloak, you know, the, the, with, the with the habit and shit and the black suit. Okay. It's kind of what he's dressed like. And he's got this really, really rambunctious blonde chick with him that just got no chill whatsoever. And in the first episode... They're going to hunt witch. They're going to hunt a witch. And in this world, witches are hated. And, you know, everybody's got beef with them. But when they get to this town, everybody loves the witch here. And the witch is, like, Ooh. defending them from monsters and shit. But these two are pretty much, like, the the um, the um main male character, the, the, the witch, I guess is what they would call. That's what they call the, the casters in this one, even, even the males. Okay. He, um... He has this very chill, like, aloof attitude. It doesn't really take shit too seriously in contrast to the, like, berserker chick who, who's with him. <laughs> and um, so they go to this town. They look for the, 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 the witch. They find her. Turns out the witch is a hero of the town. And all the people is just like, hey, yo, get away from the witch. Blah, blah, blah. This, that, the other. So eventually um, they retreat and they come back later on. And then... When the the witch and the beast they go to the evil witch's house, and the evil witch won't let or the oh, evil so the witch is a guy and the beast is a girl. Yes, gotcha. And there's an evil um and when they get to the the, the evil witch's house, the the witch's apprentice won't let them in because the witch saved her life. And when they first met the witch earlier, it was straight like the 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 blonde chick just straight up like charged at the the witch and tried to fight her head on. So. The, a bad idea in general. I learned from Ethel. <laughs> so the um, so the assistant lady to the witch is like, nah, I'm, I ain't gonna let you see her. She's this town savior. Yada yada yada. Also, it's a special anniversary and it's a, it's a special thing going on. Y'all niggas ain't invited. So they're like, all hey, right, you fuck ain't it, invited, bro. So fast forward to like midnight or whenever, and 
you find out that the witch was absolutely fucking evil. And this yeah. this, an- this anniversary is actually the anniversary of like... Um, I was just playing, y'all. <laughs> y'all souls is mine. So the story seems to revolve heavily around curses. <clears throat> and they said that a witch's curse can only be removed in one of two ways. One, you got to kill the witch that cast it on you. Or two, you got to get the witch that cast it on you to have a change of heart and remove it themselves. And the third way, which you find out in the major axis action scene, is if you kiss, kiss the witch, the the blonde chick, the berserker chick, it temporarily dispels her curse. And then the witch guy, he also, I forgot to mention in the beginning, he walks around with a big-ass casket on his back. And, and that's, that's a pretty big feature. Yeah. And, and you find out that the berserker chick's real body is actually inside the cast and it's some well, big ass beast shit that's got this fucking jason mask on and yeah that beast doed up the fucking witch and so i've only seen two of the episodes out, out for that one and um yeah it, it looks to be about like so they're trying to cure the 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 blonde lady of whatever curse she had that makes her real body inside that that coffin so she's trying to find the specific witch that cursed her and so the 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 witch the male witch with the coffin on his back he works for an organization that sort of handles these sort of supernatural uh, uh occurrences and so they have this tentative, tentative agreement that she works with them they don't hunt her and she essentially lends lends the um the witches their power to hunt bad witches. So that one seems pretty cool. And that one's just called The Witch and the Beast. <laughs> that seemed uh very complex, but it, to 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 explain a, a gimmick that's going to pay off later in the show. <laughs> I mean, they paid it off in episode one. I mean, what gimmick do you mean that they're gonna pay off later? Uh whether or not they can break the curse or, or defeat the witch that actually cursed her body. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the story is to, to find that witch. I mean, well, yeah. they, fuck defeating her. They got to find her first. Yeah, you know, I mean, and and, and once they find her, whether <laughs> she could she could be too powerful to, to uh, for them to actually, what, she had to kiss him or, um, or defeat him, I assume? Defeating them is the, the defeating them is the ultimate goal. Yeah. But by kissing them, she temporarily dispels the curse on her that allows her to use the monster body rather than the human body. Okay, but to remove the curse, they either have to get the witch to have a change of heart that casts a curse or defeat it, right? Yes, yeah. yes. That's to permanently remove yeah, that's what I'm the curse of the main character. If they um that's what I meant. Like if they pay it off and like how do that that resolves? Yeah, that is the story. But um interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I got to see. Oh, actually, I actually caught um, solo leveling, but, you know, uh, it's awesome, but... You're enjoying it? It's the beginning part. Yeah, yeah, it's fun, but... uh, Man, you know what it is, bro. It's like... It's pretty the, the training the arc, yeah, definitely. But the training arc, Sun Jin Woo, it's like, bro, come get me like episode eight, nine. You know what I'm saying? That's when, like, when Sun Jin Woo, like, right now he's still in the like, oh, oh, I gotta get stronger. Yeah, oh, I'm I so hate weak. that. Phase. So you know what I'm saying? The worst I, I know what he becomes. So right now, you know what I'm saying? Because I know the story. I'm not super enjoying the beginning. Not that it's bad. It's just that yeah, the anticipation of what is to come. Is overriding it, but in, that's in, disgusting. In terms of like the Japanese version of the heroes arc, that's like my least favorite. Oh, absolutely, you know absolutely, because I mean? like, they go in on on the fucking 
on the on the down hero arcs, bro. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it, that I'm definitely looking forward to catch that when it's when it's um done releasing because as you said, like the story is uh, already a foregone conclusion. We know yeah. that already. So yeah. and they're keeping pretty um faithful to it. So I can't wait to watch the animations. Yeah. So it's really like once he gets his actually it's just once he stops being the goofy version of him. Like right now he's still like the the sort of high school version of it. I, I don't think it, the, the show, the, the, the series doesn't really go on for that long, but there is a definitely a point where he just starts looking way cooler than he did. Oh in yeah. The, it's from like beginning. around level 50. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I got my armor now. We're good. So like I, I right around a... there is, is where I think the show starts getting good. You start getting the really dope fights. You but, hit one of those, um, those, those, um, power, uh, you know what I mean? Like, when you hit a level where you get a whole new set of gear, yeah. it was a new expansion yep. was released, and you get that neck, that little power. Yeah, they get bump. the Burning Crusade, yeah. you know what I mean? You got all the Outland epics. It's around level fifty for them, yeah. Yep. So yeah, it looks fucking great though. I'm, I'm looking forward to. This. Oh, and uh, there was also um, Mashable Season Two. I, oh, start, so I caught up on it? that too. Yeah. Nice. Like that one, man. It kind of surprised me. Like they right away. It, it surprised me how quickly. They the entire school found out this nigga didn't have magic. Like right at the end of season one is when they found out about that shit. And I thought they were I mean, gonna do I like um, when he was like Quidditch when he was like flying the broom with his feet. I was like, y'all didn't notice that. But that's my point though. I thought that that is the gimmick. So if the characters don't notice, that's understandable. It was very surprised that they decided to drop that gimmick right uh, away. Yeah. Like he's not. I'm sure he's not. In, well, actually, I don't know. Yeah, everybody. Like even the people he's fighting now knows that. He's he doesn't have magic, so at this point, there's no point in him pretending to do muscle magic. You know what I mean? Which is that was a part of the joke. So I'm that curious was, to yeah, see how they handle it from here on. <laughs> oh man, so, it's so deltoid magic, <laughs> bro. Hamstring magic, bro. Hamstring magic. What you know about bro? hamstring magic? Feel me? Them niggas was like, "Hey, yo, prove he can use magic by lighting his candle without using without touching it." He was like, "Word, it just." Grabs his staff, put that shit on the ground, and just super fucking using the fire starter friction method to create like an inferno around him. <laughs> yeah, Mashal is. I, I I like their um. I like I like their problem solving with a lot of those things. I'm a, whenever they bring up a problem that he needs to have magic to solve, I'm always like, yes, let's let's see how he gets around this shit. How his physical prowess dominates the 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 challenge at hand. You feel me? Man, yeah, that's what's punching the ground and shit. That's good stuff. Yeah. So, how many episodes in are you in? Mashlow only has three episodes out, I believe. Okay. So, yeah, it's not even fully released yet. Yeah, yeah. The new season just just started. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's good. It sounds like the the anime, uh, this this uh, winter season of animes is shaping up pretty decently. Yeah, they have, they have a lot of fun shit to check out. That's what's up. I've been I've been patiently trying to uh, find a moment to uh, finish up uh, Blue Eyed Samurai. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have not been able to wrap that up. But I'm probably gonna try to get that in um, before next episode. So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that. Have you been able to to get any time? For Haven't yet? started it yet. Yeah, nah. Did, I can imagine you got like three, at least three, if not more, new animes on. Netflix, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I'll finish it up and 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 give like a spoiler free review. But I'm definitely um interested to see uh, your take on it because it's like. It's like a a western style animation. You know what I mean? I wouldn't call it an anime per se. You know what I mean? It's a very western take on it. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's always interesting it's interesting to see how those adaptations get um get received by 
by people who consume typical Japanese anime. But yeah, um, yeah, there wasn't too much else on. Um, the Marvels is dropping on Disney Plus soon, so I'm gonna catch that. Yeah, um, it's it's already available on um some of the spots that I've seen. Cool. So yeah, I definitely wanna I wanna talk about that because I don't think that movie. I think that movie got kind of like trashed in the marketing, but like you know what else got trashed in the marketing? Um, Echo. Echo didn't actually wasn't actually super well received in terms of the viewership, and so I was like, that's crazy. So I'm kind of more open to giving it a chance because I don't know. People are super super harsh on these movies right now. You know what I mean? I don't think that um objectively the qualities of the movie has gone down per se, but I think that fatigue and expectations have outpaced what they're doing since they're kind of just keeping, you know what I mean? The quality similar. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to checking out the Marvels. That's going to be an interesting watch. Um, you know, and, and I think that Kamala Khan is the actress who's, who's playing her is, is really killing her role. Yeah. It's always down to, to give her a shot on the screen, but yeah. Um, I didn't actually, yeah, so as I said, I didn't get to uh, watch too much ales. So yeah, let's just go ahead and jump into some of these here topics. Um, so here, let's get right into one of the big ones that has uh, come around this week, and that is Power World. Now, I think I've, I'm pretty sure I brought up Power World on a prior episode. Um, because it was announced years ago, at least two, if not three years ago. And um, it was right around the time when Temtem came out, I believe. And uh, it, it, was, it was... Now, the community buzz, because the, the, the company itself never marketed it directly as this, but the community buzz was is that it was um, Pokemon with guns. And so, you know, of course, that... that that uh uh intrigued this significant portion of the fan base. You know, so people were like, "Oh, wow, a more mature Pokémon." Like it's what people have been asking for from uh from Nintendo for a long time. And so it it, it had some buzz and then it kind of quieted down, but they finally released it and needless to say, it sold gangbusters. You know, I think it's it was at 7 million 7 million sales um last I looked and it's probably not slowing down you know what i mean and so it 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 released to critical success you know what i mean and and i definitely want to give them kudos for that you know uh the studio that released it was a very small studio with very little experience um and 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 that is an accomplishment on their part you know and so i definitely want to uh, give Power World its flowers for that. Um, but, you know, of course, with a game uh, that has that big of a release, there's been tons of controversy around it. And I think, of like typical, the, the controversy, at least online, has danced around most of the more significant issues with it. Because I think most of what the online um, discussion revolves around is two sides just talking around each other. Because you have one side that is comprised of consumers and artists who are like, you know, those, you know, those PAL designs are awfully close to a lot of Pokemon, like really, really strikingly close. 
You know, and and you know, of course you do have your Nintendo fanboys who are caping for Nintendo. But a significant amount of the artist community, I think, is is bringing uh bringing up uh issues with this because if they could recreate Nintendo's art that closely, then it's RIP in terms of of artists claiming any right to derivative art that comes from their productions, such as A art that scrapes their art for data to create another image. And so artists are like, no, 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 no. We, as artists, whether or not it's Nintendo or not, it's probably not great for us to allow derivative art uh, pieces to get this close to the original art. Because, and, and I liken it to like, you know, when a comedian, a young comedian is out performing stand-up and they're practicing a joke and they get one that lands and they perform it well for the first time. And then a bigger comedian hears and is like, gotcha, bitch. And then goes and then puts it on their bigger platform. And now they're more known, so more people know it for them, uh, you know, from them than for the original comedian type of thing. You know what I mean? I feel like in the same vein, artists are going to get pieces that are derivative of their art and really close to it. Because... Legally, it's allowed to be that close. You know what I mean? And so I, I, I find that argument to be salient, you know? And then on the other end, you have a lot of large content creators who are enjoying the game and they're playing it and they're streaming it to great success who are like, listen, this is Nintendo, one of the most litigious companies in the world. They've seen this. These pals have been displayed for years. And even if in the beginning you thought this game was fake, they've they've put cease and desist for less against people who are on their side, who are in their community. So there's no reason to sit here and cape for Nintendo's copyright on Pokemon. Like, there's no sanctity to this shit. Like, don't be mad that your favorite Pokemon has a derivative design in another like it, that's a that's a futile fight to to take up and and I do and and that is true in its own right but I think that those are not mutually exclusive arguments you know what I mean and so I see that to be the basis of most of the online discussion around it and I, and honestly I I I I I I support both sides of that <laughs> Those aren't arguments that are are meant to be juxtapositioned with each other. Yes, we do want to be very reticent of allowing super close derivatives to then be used without at least, you know what I mean? Even if you can establish that, you have to pay the original artist in some. Even if they have no right to refuse your thing, you, you have to compensate them in some degree. You know what I mean? I think that would be smart to try to stay on top of and at the same time absolutely don't worry about it <laughs> nintendo got it i promise you if nintendo legal saw any issues with this they would pounce on that shit with reckless abandon 
Like rabid animals. I promise you, there would be no meat left on the bone. Nintendo legal's on it. That is a completely salient argument as well. And so, I, you know, I see that going back and forth. Um, now, my issue with the game, I have several issues with the game. I don't plan on playing it. I'm sure it's probably fun. I don't like um, uh, base builders. I'm not a huge fan of base builders. That's why I don't get into Fortnite, which is, I guess, to my detriment. I, w- I should get into Fortnite. I know a lot of people and have family. I would, I would love to play with me in Fortnite. I'm just not particularly interested um, in that game format. Cause I don't, I, I'm not a huge base builder fan and I don't like um, third person shooters. So it just doesn't appeal to me. You know what I mean? And, and it's funny because of all the complaints, I figured that people would actually be complaining that power world is absolutely not Pokemon with guns. <laughs> it's more like Fortnite with Pokemon. <laughs> That's a better analogy. And so ultimately what I feel like the reason why Nintendo hasn't done anything with this is because you what you can't do is create promotional material exclusively with images that are too derivative of their derivative of their designs or you create cannot create a game system that is too similar to Pokémon's not, not not in the plural sense, in the possessive sense. You can't create a similar game style to Pokemon and also put Pokemon-like creatures in it. That's where you start to infringe on copyright. But since they made a game that is like Fortnite with Pokemon-similar designs, they have created a legally distinct enough space to exist in, which I'm not mad at that. If that's the case, and I'm pretty sure that has been the case, which is why Nintendo hasn't done anything yet. And even case in point, the first person who modded Pokemon skins into the game got legal action already before the main game did. So clearly, Nintendo's paying attention. They're paying attention. You know what I mean? Like, this is not a situation where Nintendo's asleep on the job and they let somebody slip under the radar. You know what I mean? So that's why I would never worry about, like, the infringement on Nintendo's personal copyright. Now, I do find completely salient the argument that the precedent that this sets for smaller artists is not a good one, especially in the midst of the fact that we know they're in the middle of a legal battle for AI, uh, in in a legal battle in regards to AI doing a similar thing to them. And whether the AI companies owe them for that. That's the part. That's the only part where I'm like, Ugh, the timing sucks dick. The, sim- the timing is terrible. Because this is absolutely close enough in relation to where any kind of legal dispute is going to draw upon this. And if a company like Nintendo... Now, mind you, copyright is regional. <laughs> And honestly, cease and desists are only enforceable where you have jurisdiction. And so really and truly, this global copyright dispute uh, discussion that's being had is generally irrelevant for the most part. Because most, most companies can't enforce their copyright in the 
jurisdiction where the offender exists. And so that's a whole nother thing to discuss. But, you know, nonetheless, the fact that Nintendo has chosen to take that stance on it, and even after all of the community outcry and unnecessarily so, they've responded, and they responded in a very benign way, saying, we'll look into it as if they haven't already. You know what I mean? Like, the idea that they haven't already extensively looked into it is a little bit wild. But they said, we're looking into it, don't worry. And so, you know, they're paying attention. You know, they've responded to every... That's the funny part. It's like, whoa, Nintendo, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it's like, Nintendo has responded to every necessary thing in this entire uh, uh, controversy up until this point. You know what I mean? So the idea that they that they're somehow like sitting on their hands is just like laughable. It's not really a salient one. But um yeah. I do I do worry about how this impacts artists' claim to their to their images and derivative arts of their images. And uh that'll be interesting. And and honestly, the biggest issue I have with the game is that when you boil it down to what it's representing very on the face of it is that it's a slavery sim. <laughs> Classic. It's a Pokemon. slavery sim to the point where like you have to manage the sanity of the pals oh, because nose. if you overwork them, oh, they become sad and depressed and then they don't want to work. And when they become that way, you have an option of just like, milling them down into food material for the other pals. God damn. And then moreover, That's you can the, enslave other humans through the same and the problem is is like it's not even like Final Fantasy 16 that had a story narrative that can contextualize all of this kind of stuff that's happening in the environment around you. There's no real story narrative to this game. And then what's worse is that when they talk about the the when they talk to the developers about why these narrative beats ended up in the game they say that they only put that they came to the point of putting guns and the enslavement of the the pals into the system based on wanting to sell well in America and the two things that Americans respond to the most are guns and slavery oh, and i'm sick. like it, it hurts so bad because hey, there is it's I say so it, fucking true i say it all the time bro if you're going to make Anything. Know your audience, bro. And, know and, your and, fucking and, audience. And it did it perfectly. Yo, my guy, do you want to know how much of that six to seven million that is probably sold at this point is in America? Significant. Mm-hmm. It sold gangbusters in America because most other people... And that's why I think that uh, uh, Nintendo also doesn't particularly care about its existence is because there is no overlap. Because anyone who understands the community around Pokemon, it was about coexistence and learning proper husbandry of creatures that are within your care. And 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 it was always the bad guys who were misusing and enslaving and enforcing their will on these these creatures. And so anybody who actually wants to experience what it's like to literally enslave Pokemon is clearly not the same audience as the people who enjoy Pokemon for the spirit of Pokemon, which is just a lot of people and a lot of kids. And so, you know, Power World is really 
indicative of like the perversion it's the complete antithesis of what pokemon is about you know what i mean like it's crazy it's it's wild and so yeah dude there's no overlap in the community well i'm sure that there's overlap but there's no takeaway from the pokemon community you know what i mean like it is a immersive survival shooter in which you enslave the environment to like it's a hostile environment and all like it's the the environment they put you in everything is meant to be hostile there's nothing that's depicted as like eliciting of your empathy you know what i mean and it was like man that's a rough one and you know what the worst part about it is you know you know what the very closely second to the fact that they bold-facedly sold guns and slavery to Americans, this very closely second to that is the fact that they so well implemented all those systems and the game is actually fun. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, you guys, you guys didn't have to make slavery so sexy. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to make slavery so fucking enjoyable, utilizing... And it's the worst part is, is like, this is such a new, young studio. And they did so much of this play by numbers that people actually thought it was just an AI game. People <laughs> thought that the game was made by AI, which is disrespectful. Because, first of all, AI has never produced something this competent. And second of all, people actually put their work into this. That's just rude to think that something that is rudimentary in presentation might, it's just... That's AI. You know what I mean? Like using that as a disparative, uh, a disparagement. I mean, is I think uh, not not too untowards, but um, nonetheless, like, yeah, man. The game might not look pretty. It might be rudimentary in its in in its execution, but it's fucking fun. And that that's gotta be the that's gotta be the part for me at least that burns the most. It's like. Why you gotta make the game about slavery fun, bro? Because now, now I'm I'm vaguely inclined to at very least watch it being played. You know what I mean? But for what it's worth, I hope that it serves as market research as to how to mature the Pokemon franchise. You know what I mean? Um, not to say that it needs to go all the way that far, but I think that. They tried to mature the franchise in, in some some of the titles, like uh, Pokemon Coliseum and stuff like that with the dark Pokemon. And they didn't sell well, but I don't think it was because it wasn't well-received. I think it was because the platforms they were released on didn't do particularly didn't do particularly well um, in the time in which they were released. And so they kind of flopped in terms of Pokemon sales. Because Pokemon's a major seller, you know what I mean? Like They expect big sales. And so, uh, yeah, I hope this brings a little bit more impetus for them to maybe take a, a little bit more maturation with the um, with the game. But I do feel like they always have to find a way to balance that because the thing about Pokemon that keeps it popular is that it's always accessible to the current generation of kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always accessible to kids today. And that is always going to put it at odds with like the more mature people who have grown with the the comp the the age of the company, you know. So yeah, that's a that's a Nintendo philosophy and problem in a nutshell, you know. 
Yeah, man. And so, you know, that that's, I think, uh, I think that's everything I got to say about Power World. I'm not opposed to its existence. I would prefer that it wasn't a slavery sim. I would prefer that it didn't speak so, so loudly to the main flaws of American culture. Like, seriously, like, they literally added slavery and guns. It was like, yeah, we just want to sell it to Americans because they'll buy it. And they have the disposable income to buy it. And the kids can get their parents to buy it. And so it's really the best. If we, if you're not going to be able to sell your game in China, if you can't compete in China, you want to sell in America, right? You know what I mean? Like, well, I should say, if you can't sell in China or Japan, or you're not going to be competitive in those markets, you want to sell to America. Right? China, Japan, America, uh, am I... I don't those think are I'm, the big markets. Yeah, those are the biggest markets. You know what I mean? And then conglomerations, you got regions. Like, those three markets compete with entire regions in terms of sales. And so, yeah, you know what I mean? They 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 made very, they made very smart moves. I, this, this game isn't good. And that's what I think a lot of people need to really... Um, I think that that needs to be pointed out more. Is that the game is fun... In the way that, like, a lot of things are fun. That doesn't mean that they're good and well-made. And that's, that's you'd, okay. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with this being an indie classic. You know what I mean? But let us not fool ourselves and say, like, like Power World is on the order of any of the games that we got last year. It's, it's nowhere near a BG3 or an Alan Wake 2 or a Final Fantasy 6. Like, th- these are not games on the... on, on You know what I mean? Like, they're not on the same caliber. And so like, I just want to make that... You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of kids who consume these things and they they won't know the difference. And because they don't have refined enough tastes to understand the difference between those two things outside of just the aesthetic differences, you know, in terms of what's presented, I think it goes to be said. You know, for all of Powell's World's success, there's no hate there, but let us acknowledge what it is. You know what I mean? It's successful for what it is and not because it ranks amongst some of the greater games that we've received, even in recent history. But yeah. Uh, moving on from that, there's been other stuff going on in the gaming industry. Um, yo, the layoffs, man, the layoffs, dude, it, it, you know, to see the the video game industry blow up the way it did during the pandemic and post pandemic was very heartening. And, and I believe even while it was happening, we're like, man, I don't know if this is sustainable because this is definitely like pandemic driven growth like people are forced to be at home and as a result they are consuming far more online and once this passes there's going to be a different environment i even noticed it in the podcast um uh arena you know what i mean like consumption was just different and so it was always a question on whether the kind of growth that happened post pandemic was going to be sustainable and clearly it is not and it sucks because now, you know, the most recent victim, well, no, well, the employees are the victims, but the most recent company to start to downsize is uh, Riot. And they have a lot of large projects that they hired for. And I mean, teams, entire teams. 
Um, and so they're downsizing. I I know that there's three project teams that are being laid off. You know what I mean? Like that had games in production that once their game gets released, will they're not going to be carrying on. And most of them were either uh, like continuous re- releases and that there was going to be DLC or they were live services. So, you know, that's just not, it, it, it's a bad look, you know? And, and I always hate to see like downsizing in tech because it's one of the few fields that when you see a huge deflation of the service industry, you're going to see an influx of people into that industry. And if they're downsizing, it's just going to create a surplus labor force that's going to drive down the value of, of workers in tech. And so, you know, layoffs is, layoffs start a wave of, of uh, downward conditions for workers. And so just seeing that this one hasn't stopped it's like, man, it's going to get significantly worse for people in tech in terms of competition for labor. And and that's not to say that, you know, you want to make laborers compete with each other. But it's I think it's more of an impetus to start general technical, more vocation-centered uh, unions and not... Uh, enterprise unions that are based around their corporations they work for, they I feel like tech workers need to start unionizing in the way that labor um, unions uh, organize or vocational unions organize. You know, much like electricians, you know, it doesn't matter if you're an electrician on uh, an oil rig or if you're an electrician in a power plant or if you're an electrician in, uh, in a factory. You're organized under a, a a single union, the electricians union. I think tech workers um, need to find a vocational union and not an an, uh, an enterprise union to organize under because this influx of 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 uh, labor at a time of downsizing is going to create huge stress on the on their market. And um, yeah, the only way to deal with that effectively without you know, just squeezing people more is to unionize, um, but not around a corporation. So, yeah, there's that going on. And then, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk going on around um, Yakuza Infinite Wealth. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, because uh, the, the controversy around that right now is, is um, the pricing structure. Because, you know, they are paywalling the um, New Game Plus behind, I think, I think the it's $69.99 for the base game. It is, I want to say it's $89.99 for uh, the upgraded package with additional dungeons. And then for the full uh, costumes and uh, side game bonuses, it's one hundred nine ninety nine, if I remember correctly. I don't know if you could um, verify that for me, but the pricing structure on on it is is it's up there. 
Now, just to contextualize this, this has been the pricing structure for Japan for the past several games. What it is is that because the U.S. release has been staggered by a year with the Japanese release, they included DLC that was DLC for the uh, Japanese release into the base or into the the special edition physical releases because they didn't think the game would sell in the States. But since the game is proven to be a success in the States, they've decided to sync up the U.S. sales model with the Japanese sales model. So it's not like, you know, they're doing some new shit in the market. You know what I mean? And so, honestly, I don't feel like it's it's them trying to be usurious in the um in the in the game sales space, in the game pricing space. But what I will say is, is that it does bring a good discussion to the the question of what is the value proposition we get from games, and is the value proposition that they're offering one that we could support. You know what I mean? And so, just for me personally, I feel like at $89.99, I believe, for, for um, or $84.99, I'm sorry. It, it's $69.99, $84.99, and $109.99. So yeah, I just, I was $5 off of the, the deluxe edition. But, um, at $84.99 for a game that has consistently shown to have 60-plus hours of content in an environment where I don't find very many good turn-based games, and this is an exemplary model of a turn-based game, I find that value proposition to be okay for me. Um, and. I do expect in the modern game sales space for there to be cosmetics and competitive um, content to purchase as DLC. So do I believe that a $85 game should have additional content? Or 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 DLC that is paid up to the thirty dollar range. Yeah, I don't mind that because I believe that to be the business, the modern business model for most games. I don't believe that to be like exemplary of them. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to pioneer some new shit and condition their their. No, no, this is just the way the market has been going. So, so do, do I? I don't. I don't bulk at them presenting this model for the type of game. Do I think all games should be $85 for the the what we believe to be the standard amount of content for the game? No. Like, I would never say that a, a sports game should be $85. Because even though there's a ton of replay value in those sports games, the content doesn't update. 
You know what I mean? Like that replay value isn't giving you more and more content. You're not building on the content. You're playing the same thing over and over. And so, no, I don't believe like sports games should have that or even games explicitly games that have microtransactions in them should absolutely not cost $85. We should never normalize paying that much for a game that has microtransactions in it. But um in a now why do I feel like the value proposition for a game like Yakuza is okay because I I want to spend at least a dollar per hour in a game. I feel like that's a a pretty general rule of thumb that is is that can be applied across many genres and still be applicable. So if I spend if I'm going if you're going to sell me your game for 69.99 sell me a game that that'll satisfy me for 70 hours. That's very I think that that's reasonable. Given the distribution distribution of video games and how many people are going to be paying them a dollar per hour for their 60 hour game or 70 hour game, I think it's very reasonable. They'll make tons of profit. It is, you know what I mean? That is one that I feel satisfied with and that they can also make a profit off of. And so, you know what I mean? That shows as a consumer, you're in that feedback loop of you have to support the the companies that produce the things you like type of stuff. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, you know, that's why I would validate because I feel like I will get up to $85 or 85 hours out of a Yakuza game. And so I would take that gamble. Now, if they didn't come through with that, that would be disappointing to me. You know what I mean? And um, I don't know if that'd be a failing on them because that also has to do something to do uh, a bit to do with how I play the game. You know what I mean? But you know, I would want something close or commensurate to that. But that's, I think, a, a more salient discussion than whether Sega's being usurious with their pricing model. It's, you know what I mean? It's not a new pricing model. It's one that I think is very much in line with the modern pricing models that are at hand. Yeah, I mean, the only deluxe way. editions are standard around like 80 to 100 bucks. Yeah, and it's the only way for RPGs to to keep up. You know what I mean? Because they do take a long time. The, the thing about, I think, RPGs that that, that drives up their production uh, uh, costs is the time it takes to really flesh out a good RPG. And so, you know, the only way for them to be able to keep up with the rising prices of paying people and technology is to, you know, we got to be willing to pay them that much, you know? And, you know, I remember there was a day when I paid $40 for a 120-hour game. There, that was a day. You know what I mean? But we got to update our value uh, uh, judgments on that. You know what I mean? And for me personally, that's what I think. I Not to say I would hold anyone else to that, but I think that that's the healthiest way as a consumer to interface with these games to make sure that, you know, we're not being taken advantage of, and the companies are still making some money. You know what I mean? And and yeah, just in a consumer uh, consumer's culture environment, you got to think about those kind of things. Or you don't have to, but I think it's beneficial to at least. It also helps extremely so if you don't need to get the game on fucking opening day. You feel me? That's that's yeah. another that's another big thing because too. This shit will go on sale. You feel it me? Will go on set. So yeah. unless you abs, unless you're like playing with other friends, 
online when the game first came out if you can wait why not wait you know what i'm saying yeah our our society is built to exploit fomo so if you divest yourself from feeling like you need to absolutely get every new thing that comes out and is advertised to you yeah you'll also save yourself a ton of money and you have tons of time to research whether or not you want to play it or not anyway especially because a lot of these games are not complete on release and when these games do really really well they get better versions with the Mm -hmm. complete things put together after effect. So that's one of the reasons why, like, I'm usually, uh, 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 I very often will play a game, like, a year after it has come out. You feel me? Yeah. For no other reason than there's just very few games that are being made these days that I feel like I have to play right away. Like, God of War and um, uh, uh, Baldur's Gate are, Mm -hmm. like, the only two games in the last two years that have been like, oh, I got to get this right as soon as it comes out because it seems super fucking dope and I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time on it. Most other games, it was like, oh, that looks pretty fun, but I could probably wait a month, two months, three months before playing it and not miss out on anything. And based on the fact that they're following, they're they're really just bringing the (laughs) distribution up to date. In a year, they're probably just going to release a physical with everything the way that they did before. They just... They're just making it available to everybody to pay the extra if you want to pay the extra. In a year, I bet you they drop a physical the same way they did um, with um, Like a Dragon that has the entire package on it that you could pay for the the expensive price for. That's it. And they'll call it a special edition, and and everyone will feel fine about it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, if, I, I personally, the only reason why I was even paying attention to it is because I want to... I'm a video game hobbyist and so i want to buy a physical i like having the 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 discs of the games and so i was keeping um abreast of it for that but it's like you know what honestly if i'm not in a rush to play the game i could just wait until they drop the physical with everything on it you know what i mean like they did with like a dragon as i said and so yeah you know it, it is capitalizing on on fomo and and people who you know hobbyists who because that's really the thing is is like physical media is really the minority of purchases these days isn't it like it's everything is is downloaded or streamed you know and so yeah it's definitely one of those things that i think is 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 not a particularly uh profound issue to to be confronting right now because it really is just them providing what they've been doing earlier than usual but yeah, but yeah, you know that's pretty much all that's been going on in the the video game sphere. But uh, here let's uh, do a quick rundown on some of the things that's been going on because boy oh boy, shit has been kind of hot lately, bro. I don't know, man. I, it's gonna be an interesting first quarter of this year to say the least. Because let me tell you, boy, like especially here at home, like in the states. I'm not really sure where this society is going because, like, you know what the latest push is legislatively that I've been seeing? More and more states, like, getting on the horn and getting up in arms about... What? Child labor. Like, <laughs> my Bring guy. It back. More and more states are lowering the age that children can work on weekdays an unlimited amount of hours to 14. They're saying that they, and I'm like, wait, wait, 14? Like, 
So you're telling me that it is okay for a 14-year-old, a family, to prioritize their 14-year-old's work schedule over their school schedule? Because that's what that whole legislation that is currently in place with child labor laws is meant to prevent families from prioritizing their child's work schedule over actual education. Boy, let me tell you, let me tell you. I mean, it makes sense, though. I mean, if you're going to kill education, you may as well also lower the age and for working. That's the scary part. The two part. things go hand in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, the, the, the plan is so... Like, the thing is, is people are not... Obviously, they're not going to tell you that, yeah, we crushed the education system and we're creating a carceral system and a child labor system to funnel your children into, and only the richest people who can afford the best education will be able to circumvent that system. Like, they're not going to say that to you, but that's what they're building. It's literally what they're building. And it's fucking scary, bro. Like, Gosh, and then and then and did you see what's going on in Texas now? I did not. So so uh, I, I mentioned prior in another episode that Texas has been denying federal agents um, access to the border to bring them into compliance with regulations. Bro, fifteen states have declared that they support Texas's denial of 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 uh, federal access to the border and are sending their national guards to support Texas troops, like. Bro, like, and, and you know, it, you know, I, I talk about a lot of stuff and I'm right about a significant amount of it. But whenever I talk, hopefully, about like the future of this country and people coming together and, you know, maybe there won't be a civil war, with, within, within days, something major will happen and be like, shut the fuck up. Why would you even say that? Because you guys are on the, this country is on the brink of multiple like catastrophic governmental failures at any given moment. The idea that there is a state that is and and let me tell you, the states that are that are backing Texas are all states that heavily contribute to the military. These are all very militant states with the highest proliferation of guns. And then you got the civilians in these states all lining up to, to, to support these troops the same way that people were lining up in the Civil War to watch North versus South fight as if they weren't sitting there watching, you know what I mean, their countrymen slaughter each other because of slavery. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to see the anachronism that is the Texas border dispute. It is... It's the same bullshit this country has always fucking struggled with. And the worst part is that it resembles the point in American history in which it's boiled over to actual civil war. It's like, yo, dude, why does today most resemble the time in which this country was at its weakest? It's so fucking disturbing, man. Like, it really blows my mind. Like, how, like, really? The border, and now mind you, like, the border crisis is completely a bipartisan effort. Politicians are willing to let the, the decorum of this country's politics degrade over a border dispute that is their own fucking making. All of them support immigration. 
every last one of them owns a company or is invested heavily in a company that benefits heavily from immigrant labor, whether it's tech and in, in which they 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 attract the 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 best talent from around the world to come to our educational institutions to employ our our, our companies or whether they own agricultural uh, 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 companies that produce you know uh, uh, harvest crops or or processing plants that we know are are literally we found out that they were employing children because they kept dying we kept finding the corpses of the children that they were fucking employing you know what I mean like they all support immigrant fucking labor but yet they will not come together and create a functioning legislation to to process the immigrants at the border as if they're not the ones who are fucking providing the labor in their in their own own companies from the top to the bottom you know what i mean it's not like you know that that's the thing is is like Immigrant labor is so integral to American employment. Look at domestic work. Look at look at restaurants. I mean, tell show me a cooking staff that's mostly staffed by white people and I'll show you a fucking non-existent in, in restaurant in this country. There's so few kitchens in this country that are staffed by mostly natural born americans it it's crazy but yet we can't get a legislation that processes people at the border properly and it's not like it's just our neighbors it's not just mexicans coming over the border and the worst part is is that the vast majority of people who come in here illegally come over on fucking planes the yo my guy let me tell you 65% of people who are here illegally came here on a plane with a visa and overstayed their visa the vast majority of people at the borders like literally a 90 plus percent of people at the border surrendered to the fucking border patrol to get processed because they're propagandized into thinking that America has an, a functioning immigration system. That's the part that's fucking blowing my mind. It's like the average American is so like uninformed of the processes and what's actually happening at the borders that they that they that they believe that they need to militarize the border and that and that somehow fucking putting barbed wire at the border is going to stop the thousands of people at the border. That's not going to stop them. Because the, the the vast minority of them are coming through these passages that they're talking about. The vast majority of people who are crossing an Eagle Pass where they're building all of this fucking fortification and bullshit, they're coming over land. And if they think they're just going to militarize the border and shoot at people, that's fine. You can shoot at them, but you're just going to create a situation where they're where they're broadcasting images of the American Border Patrol shooting innocent people because these people are surrendering at the border. The vast majority of them, even when they cross through the border fence, are only going crossing over to the border fence to get to the side where the actual uh, uh, border patrol stations are. They want to be processed. 
They understand how dangerous and how fucked up it is to try to work illegally in the country if they don't go through the immigration process. Because guess what? It's the same where they are. Guess what? Working illegally in America is just as bad as working illegally in where they're from. You see what I'm saying? So the idea that they're coming over here to try to get into the, the illegal workforce is crazy. It's crazy. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, dude, it's just... What's happening domestically in this country, like... To see the decline, like, I just... And the thing is, is, like, I don't even know if it's decline. Has it always been like this? It feels like this has been the situation. And that's why nothing has changed for so long. This is not a country, and this is not... You know, these ain't bugs. They're features. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what scares me the most. Because if these are features, then the kind of institutional change that needs to happen for anything to get better, you gotta you might have to just tear it up at the roots. I just don't understand or see a, a functional path to institutional change if this is how it was meant to function. If they did this on purpose, if they propagandized these people, if they destroyed the education system, if they, they destroyed their political acumen, all to get them into this position, and the system's going to let them do it, and there's no repercussions, then we genuinely are fucked in this country in the long term. Nothing good can come of the system that produces like this. The fact that, like, this is, this is, I think, a pretty dire situation that 15 states are, 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 are openly, and not in a way that, like, states were like, we're going to legalize marijuana. This is not the same fucking thing. This is a logical extension of what happened on January 6th. And if you think that they're going to submit themselves to being arrested this time, they're not. And if you think that there's not enough of them to take over the states that they think that they have access to, I think there's 15 states that are kind of cool with it, that, that they don't even have to take over. That once they mobilize and, they, and the state legislatures see that they have the support of enough people, they'll be more than happy to deny federal mandate. And that's, that's sad. It's sad. You know what I mean? Like, this country is squandering its opportunity to be to be what it told the rest of the world it was going to be. And it's always been bad, but it's it's never seemed more off track than now. Like bringing back child labor and br putting us on the brink of another civil war, I think is another level. It's another level. Because, you know, it's been 60-plus years America has been trampling on the world community and putting us at odds with, with the world community. And that is what it is. And I've always talked about, like, man, you know, it's a fucking nerve-wracking thing to live in a coastal city when America's out here pissing everybody off. But it's a whole nother thing to see this country literally bring itself back to its worst days. 
it's a real it's a real different thing. It's a real different thing for me, man. I I I find it hugely problematic. And it's not and, and it's not just this country, you know what I mean? Um there there's governments around the the world that are just blind or 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 recalcitrant to the calls of their people. I mean, look at what's going on in Argentina. Um they have a general strike, which means every industry has refused to work towards economic gain while this government is in power. Like Argentina is in a is in a they're in a worse place than America. That's for sure. Like, and that's what I mean. Like, I, as as critical as I am of America, it's not to say that I'm not I'm not aware of 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 other governments in more dire situations because at least the average American worker is still willing to show up to work. In Argentina, it's at a place where the government has gotten so antithetical to the will of the people that there is no longer any consent of the governed. And they've gotten to the point where they will not contribute to an economy that bolsters the government that's currently in power. It's a, that's a bad situation. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much aware of, of how bad... And that's not even to say the countries that are at genuine, genuine like, military coup, civil war status. You know what I mean? Um, they, they have their own complex um, situations to deal with. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of places where capitalism has failed, Argentina is is at a particular crux of a failure of capitalism when there's a general strike. Labor has wrested all economic power away from capital now. And so it's interesting, It's going to be real interesting to see where that falls. But um, yeah, Argentina is another really complex situation that I definitely got to look more... I have to do some more research in before I could speak more more um, in depth on it. But that's a general strike. That's a big thing. A nationwide strike of all public and private workers. I mean, there's pro- Argentina has tons of national products that I think are going to be going to be interesting to see how the world community responds to that. But yeah, you know, just to just to wrap up, just to wrap up on an interesting story that I saw uh, come across the feed. So um. Listen, I'm not in the 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 I'm not in the uh the business of of promoting terrorist attacks or anything of that nature. I would never do anything like that. But when it comes to armed conflict, oh, I am I am absolutely here for people in armed conflict defending themselves. And um, I'm not sure if you sure saw this recently, but did you see the um, video of the Hamas fire fighter who took on the um, IOF battalion or I platoon? <clears throat> I did not. Bruh. So there was a Hamas fighter who uh, live-streamed uh, him taking on a IOF platoon, and he took down 21 soldiers and a tank by himself. And I'm like, listen... That's not a, an attack on 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 a civilian target. That is good old fashioned Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, militia on 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 armed faction conflict right there. That's all fair game. It's all three sixty no scoping, bro, bruh. In any other situation, that man would be a war hero. That shit and 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 what it really. I think is indicative of and is really showing, especially given 
um, the most recent um, reports of of large losses in some of uh, the uh, Israeli ground troops trying to enter into Gaza. What it what it's really revealing is is oh they're using airstrikes because they do not want to engage these Hamas fighters on the ground. They know that they are they're fighting against an entrenched, impassioned group of men fighting to defend to defend their homes. They have made stronger fighters of these men, and they don't want to see them on the ground. They don't want to see them on the ground. Bro, these guys, listen, say what you want about Hamas, but Israel and their offensive have turned these men into martyrs. They've turned these men into martyrs. You, We could say or talk about October 7th, all we want till we're blue in the face. We're at over 25,000 people in Gaza dead. What's happening in Gaza had very little to do with what happened on October 7th. This is not a, a commensurate retaliation. And so when I say that they've turned these men from terrorists into freedom fighters, they did. The Israeli stance, the Israeli political structure has taken a position of genocide. Listen, man, we could talk about a lot of things, and I don't have to moralize the loss of life. I could admit when things were done incorrectly. I am more than happy to talk about how things can be done better. But what we're not going to do is, is, is continue to even entertain the idea that these people who are fighting on the side of Hamas at this point are, are, are terrorists. It is a completely foregone idea. There, at, at no point in any kind of international accord has Israel's response to that attack been been indicative of a of a de-escalation and disarmament of their enemy. So if there is if we want to talk about October 7th, we could talk about what the real goal was of Hamas because they they took those people, but I feel like their real goal was to get Israel to mask off because boy did they ever mask off with this moment. And they've they've made Israel their own pariah. Israel can't go backwards from this. Israel can't go back from this in the world community's eyes. They've 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 gone way too far. You know what I mean? And so, you know, for what it's worth, you know, listen, I would never condone Hamas attacking civilians, civilian loss of life. But in terms of armed conflict, my man is a my man got the what, what? What do you call that? It's that's beyond a pentakill. That's an overkill. Oh, I, I don't play shooters. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you call it when you kill all the? He ate the squad plus plus though, and he got the tank, and he and he and he destroyed their uh their uh uh, uh their their kill streak bonus. You know what I mean? So that is what it is. You know that what what little get back they can get. I hope that um. The people of Gaza can can find some solace in that they they got uh they, they got a couple you know they got a lot more 
of people from Gaza, but the, the the fight's still alive for what it's worth. But yeah, I thought that was that was crazy. I don't know if you're actually interested, but yeah, that that video was was wild. It was wild. They did a lot of post edit on it too. I was like, I wonder how much of this is propaganda because there's a lot of post edit on this. <laughs> but my man was going buck wild, bro. Going buck wild in the enemy camp. But yeah. That is it. That that is what it is. But yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll we'll wrap up on that. You know what I mean? I hope that everybody did enjoy the show. If you did, please feel free to subscribe. You can find us on Anchor.fm or on Patreon.com. If you uh, you could also find us on the social media on Twitter at Korea underscore T and at home at Heron, and also on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast and at Heron's Homies. And you can find me on Instagram at Rico G V O. And always remember, guys, time's only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks again for joining us and have a great one. Peace out. Take it easy.